All right. Well, good morning, church. My name is Justin. I serve as one of the pastors here at City Light Bennington. And uh, as a pastor, as I've talked with many of you, I've noticed a common theme recently that even I am guilty of. Um, getting a little bit, I don't know, a little feedback here. I know it's not because I have a beard like Glenn, so I'm not worried about that. Um, but I've noticed a theme as I've talked with many of you lately as I ask you, how are you doing? Common response, busy. How's life? Anything new? Busy season. How are the kids? Busy. Uh, how's work? Really busy. Uh, and again, I see this common theme, and I think it's a timely word where today we're going to look at a, I think, much needed topic, and the topic is rest. As we're going through this sermon series, A Church After God's Own Heart, we want to see this morning that a church after God's own heart is a church that is rested. A church that is rested. And we need to understand that rest actually matters. It is a biblical thing that God has created. It is not just a physical rest that God wants for us, but a spiritual rest. God created rest. God commands rest for his people. If you know stories in the Bible, he even punished his people by forcing them to rest when they refused to rest. God himself even shows us that in the creation account that he himself will rest. So rest matters. Rest is for God. It is also for us to imitate God in that. And I think for many of us, we just don't know how to. And so I want to speak to three questions that I hope to answer through this sermon that I think will help us, Lord willing, to enter into God's rest. And the three questions are, what is rest? Why do we struggle to rest? And then how can we rest? And so first question, what is rest? If we just look into some of the Hebrew words that are the two main Hebrew words used in the Old Covenant to describe the word rest. And the first one is Shabbat. You may recognize that in the English, Sabbath. Now, Shabbat simply means to stop working, to cease from all labor. And we see this in Genesis 2, 2 through 3. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done. And he rested Shabbat on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So we see God rest, this Shabbat. And again, this rest isn't necessarily a physical rest. It's not as if God is physically exhausted after creating the world. This word is a better depiction. It's if you take care of your lawn, right? You've got some lawn people in here to love taking care of, get those stripes. Yep, come on. All right, Glenn. Uh, you get all your treated, you're getting the curb, you're getting all the hedges. Everything is taken care of. And you go back inside, you shower, and then you go out on the back deck. You wipe your brow and look out. And that's the kind of Shabbat rest, right? It's not because of the physical exhaustion. It's rather more of an emotional satisfaction, right? It's resting, sitting back, and enjoying what you just did. And this is the same way God rests. It's the same way that God wants us to rest because we'll see that the second word is nuach, which means to dwell or settle in. I think I'm going to change here, getting some feedback here. But the second word, nuach, literally just means to dwell or settle in. And this dwelling or settle in, we see this in Genesis 2.15, says, then the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him or rested him, nuoked him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. 
So not only does God experience this kind of rest, there's a rest that God wants us to experience. If we even look at the creation account, Adam's first full day was on the seventh day. That means that God already shows out of the gates he has created a day of rest for people to enjoy with him. In the same way that God has settled in and dwelled in his creation to look at, to rest and enjoy, God says from the get-go, that's the exact kind of rest I want you to have with me. That's the settling in, the dwelling. Think of settling in even, a commentator said, this is not as if you clocked out of work and you settle into your car as you drive home. This is a type of settling in that you go to the cabin out in Colorado and you start the fireplace and you sit down with your favorite book and you settle in, you walk into the couch and with one of your favorite blankets. That's the kind of settling in that God says, that's what I want for your souls in me. And so Shabbat, Nuwak, these words for rest, and it's interesting because we look at our lives. And I don't know if any of us are thinking, yeah, I experience that regularly. And if I even asked you how to do that, I think many of us say, I have no idea, right? We have terrible rhythms of our life where we just, quarter, we work Four or five months in a row, we exhaust ourselves and we just take the much-needed week-long, two-week-long trip. Not because we want to, because at that point our bodies say you have to, right? Like that's the kind of restlessness that we as Americans especially are all too familiar with. And God is saying that's not the way I designed this. That's not the way I, I created you to function. I've created you to rest. And not only is it our own sin, but it's Satan who would steal that rest. We see in the garden account, right, that Adam and Eve have a perfect situation. All the conditions are right to rest in God. And what happens is they become restless. And in their restlessness, they go to seek to try to find a better way to rest. And what happens is Satan comes in, the serpent comes and tempts them that surely God is, is keeping something from you. Surely there must be more that God doesn't want you to experience or enjoy in himself. Surely there must be a rest for your soul that is beyond what God has provided. And what happens in their restlessness, they end up sinning. They end up not trusting God for what he has provided and who he is. And what happens is in their restlessness, they actually forfeit the rest that God has given them. And the consequences of this are all over. We see in Genesis 3 that the consequences will be pain and childbearing. It will be work will no longer be enjoyable. That work will actually be something where we now work ourselves into the very dust that we were created from. We have all these consequences of refusing God's rest. And in our restlessness, we lose the most important thing. Not just rest in God, but we lose dwelling with God, which is where the rest comes from. And throughout the story of the Bible, we'll see God try to restore this rest, to try to dwell and settle in with his people so they can dwell and settle in with him once again. We see that in the tabernacle. We see that in the temple. God will create all these different laws so that he can dwell with them again and that they can experience the rest that they lost in the garden. And what happens is they forget God, just like in the garden. They, they give way to sin. They do not trust God for what he is and who, what he has provided. And again, time and time again in their forgetfulness of God and their disobedience of God and their distrust of God, they will again, time and time again, forfeit the true rest. They will fall short and never be able to enter in. 
And again, this future spiritual rest that God wants to point them to, God creates this law, a law called the Sabbath. And he says, one day a week, every seventh day, you are to take a full day to cease from work, to Shabbat. Cease from all physical work, cease from all labor. And what this does, he's saying, I want you to take this day to rest physically so that you can look ahead to rest spiritually. That one day a true, final, spiritual rest will come. And I want you to practice and prepare for that by taking a one-day physical rest on the Sabbath. Now, again, God's people are forgetful. What happens is they continue to forget this law. They disobey it. They refuse to rest. They refuse to Sabbath. And what happens is throughout the ages and throughout the story of the Bible, God will then punish them. Say, if you refuse to rest, then I will force you into exile or I will force you into slavery. And you, if you will not choose rest and you so badly want to ru- be ruled by something or someone else, then I'm going to hand you over. And it's in this dark time of the story, hundreds of years go by, where God's people do not experience rest. And rest seems completely lost. And we have no idea how the story is going to play out. We have all these prophecies to explain that the rest is coming. But how, when, will it actually come? And this is when the beautiful moment where God interacts and he comes down in the form of a human. Jesus enters into the story. And we see that in a story in Mark 2, 23 through 28, there's this story of Jesus walking through the fields with his disciples. And they're picking grains of head on a Sabbath. And the Pharisees will get all bent out of shape about it. They'll approach Jesus and his disciples saying, don't you know that you're not allowed to do that? Because we created these extra biblical rules that say you can't. And what Jesus says is something so profound in verse 27. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Again, Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, these religious leaders who are saying, we have to earn this kind of work. We have to earn this kind of rest and and work to get it from God. And God is saying, no, no, no. Listen, I'm the God who came up with the Sabbath. I'm the God who made rest for man to enjoy, and I'm the one who can give it freely because I'm Lord of the Sabbath. In fact, Jesus takes it one step for He's saying here, I am the Sabbath. I am the rest that your souls dearly and truly need. And Jesus shows us that because Jesus would go on to live a perfect life without sin. He would die the death that we deserve, and he would raise again from the grave in victory to defeat our sin. To literally defeat and pay for every time we have forgotten, forsaken him, and rejected him as our true rest. Where we have ran to other things in our lives, whether that be work or money or whatever, you fill in the blank. But Jesus is saying, listen, that is not going to give you rest. The only rest that you can have is in me. And this new word that we see for this word rest in the new covenant. It's the Greek word anapowo. And anapowo simply means, it's kind of a combination of Shabbat and Nuach, to cease from labor, to give rest or refresh. This is the exact word that Jesus now says right before this story in Mark. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Anapowo. 
Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest and a power for your souls, this refreshment. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Jesus is saying you will never find rest for your restless souls until you come to me. And I think many of us are chasing rest right now. Many of us are already planning that quarterly, week-long vacation. Many of us are hoping that hopefully this circumstances in life align in such a way that rest will come knocking on your door. But Jesus makes it very plain, very simple for us this morning. Church, if you need rest, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. Come to me. And I will give you rest. It does not get any simpler. And yet we make it so complicated. We go through our life and we do not come to him. We do not ask for rest from him. We go on seeking it. Just like the Israelites forgetting that God has already given us the rest that we are looking for. And this same word, anapawo, this refreshment, this ceasing from labor, Jesus is saying, listen, some of you need to rest in the fact that you do not need to keep trying to be a better person for me to enter into your life. You do not need to keep striving to try to obey enough of my laws, to read enough of my Bible, to understand enough about me. He says, you just need to simply come to me and I will give you rest. He says you need to stop working and thinking that there are these, like the Pharisees, extra biblical laws that you've created for yourself in order for you to think that God is going to give you his favor again. In order for him to you to feel his good pleasure in you again. Jesus simply says, come to me and I will give you rest. There's so many of us that are searching for this rest in all kind of different ways instead of just coming to the one who gives us rest. We need to understand that in all of this, <laughs> I also, we need to get a better picture of how God views us. Because I think when we're hesitant to go to God for rest, it's because we don't actually know what he thinks about us. And the same word, anapao, just backtracking here, the same word to, to rest on, to refresh, is the same word in 1 Peter 4.14. It says, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests and a power upon you. This literally means that not only is God pleased when we dwell in him for us, but God is actually pleased himself to dwell upon us. God actually delights to give us rest. God actually delights to give us refreshment to our souls. That this is not something that God is hesitant or stingy to give. It is something he loves to lavish if we would but come to him. And I think this all sounds good and fine, right? We think on paper it would be really easy to get this kind of rest if we would just come to him. But what is stopping us? Because I think if I took a poll, 95 to 99% of us in this room would say, yeah, I don't come to Jesus for rest. I don't remember the last time I, I truly experienced that. And I think it begs the question again, why? So we move into our second question. Why do we struggle to rest? Well, I think just like Israel, we forget, right? 
we just simply forget that rest is available or that God would be willing and delighting to give us rest. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, the writer says, so there is a special rest. This Sabbath rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. It means that God is saying, listen, as counterintuitive as it may sound, you will have to work to rest. You will have to strive to enter rest. Now, what does this mean? Well, again, it sounds odd, but because of us being sinners living in a sin-filled world, because there is a real enemy who hates when we feel rested and experience God's rest, and because this world is full of so many distractions that deter us from even remembering that we can rest, we will have to strive to enter God's rest. And what does this look like? Well, again, God has given us a design. And just like the people of Israel, he calls it the seventh day rest, the Sabbath. And this is not something that is something like it's going to save you, right? It's not like you have to obey in order for you to experience salvation. This is saying, hey, listen, it may not save you, but boy, does it sustain you. And this Sabbath day rest, this seventh day, every seventh day, you take 24 hours to rest, to cease from work. God has designed this in a way not to burden us, not to like add one more thing to our plate, but to say, hey, there's one day you don't even have to worry about the plate. Like, come to me and find rest for your souls. And Jesus shows us, he models this so well. Jesus would rest all the time. He shows us how to experience this. He would go in prolonged times to be alone with his father. For hours at a time, in the, in the middle of the morning and night, he would go and just be with his father to hear from him, to talk to him. Jesus enjoyed the company of others. He would go over to people's houses for meals. He would laugh. He would t- go on walks. Jesus took naps. Amen. <laughs> Jesus took naps. We get pictures of that in scripture. And Jesus did some amazing miracles even on the Sabbath, which again got him a lot of backlash from the Pharisees who said that he couldn't. But the reason we need to understand why did Jesus do these miracles? Why did Jesus heal broken bodies? on the day that was supposed to be a day of rest. Because Jesus was showing that the true rest, he's showing us that he healed broken bodies in order to rest burdened souls. That's what Jesus was showing us all along, that he's doing all these miraculous, amazing, intimate acts of service and healing to show us your souls need rest even more than your bodies do. There is a spiritual rest that I can give you if you would but come to me, and I will give you rest. And we're all burdened, right? We have so many distractions. We're we're busy people by nature, especially here in the U.S. But I think if we would go underneath there, I think if we would actually do the hard work to say why, what is holding up that house? What is the foundation beneath our busyness? I would say that it's actually unbelief. I would actually argue, and you can test this, but I would actually say that signs of burnout, signs of anxiety, signs of stress, signs of physical unrest are really just pointing to a spiritual unrest. And God is trying to say, trust me. 
if you don't find rest right now in the season, I, I think God is saying, trust me. Trust me that I will provide for you. Trust me that I will make sure that your finances in order. Trust me with your kids. Trust me with your marriage. Trust me with your work. Trust me with your life. Trust me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. This unbelief. It's this idol, I would say, of control. So many of us want control and really control is not even a real thing because it only belongs to God. And yet we chase it, thinking that if I just have more of it, if I just work harder, if I just, just get enough things in line, if I get enough things off my to-do list, if I get enough things planned ahead, then maybe I'll find rest. And the Sabbath is to throw that out the window. The Sabbath is one day to say, God, I trust you with my to-do list. I trust you with my future. I trust you with everything that I think needs to be in my control, and I surrender that control now over to you, where it is better and where it belongs. And we need to remember that, friends, I'm not trying to burden you with taking a Sabbath, and I'm going to get into the practicality of that, but my heart in exhorting us, encouraging us, and really just inviting us to Sabbath is not so you see the Sabbath as some day to religiously observe but you'd see it's all about a God to seriously enjoy. God wants us to delight in him. He delights to give us rest because he delights in us. He is delighted to save us. He's delighted to forgive us of our sins. He is delighted to reconcile us back. He is delighted to restore all that we have lost from sin and Satan. And now he says, rest in me. Come to me. Delight in me. Come away with me. Enjoy me. And again, going back to the question, why do we struggle? Because that all sounds great, right? Like no one's arguing with anything I'm saying, I don't think. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, why, why do we not do this? It's because the Sabbath would force us to slow way down. The Sabbath would force us to slow down to the point where the dust of life would have to settle. And I think if we're honest, we're afraid what happens when the dust settles. I think we're afraid of what we're going to see when that dust settles in our life. Or we're going to have to address many of the fears and insecurities that we just do not want to recognize or address in our lives. Or we're going to have to face the questions like, I'm not good enough, I don't think. I'm not funny enough. I'm not romantic enough. I'm not adventurous enough. And because of that, my marriage isn't stable enough. My kids aren't disciplined enough. My finances aren't secure enough. My career isn't successful enough. My life is just not full enough. And overall, my whole existence is just not enough. Those are the questions that, sure, that's deep. We don't like deep. We don't like when the dust settles. And so instead of addressing who we are, we just fill it with what we can do. We fill our lives just on these hamster wheels. What are all the things I can do to, to hide away from all of those things, to not have to address them, and, and to hopefully get all of my value and worth and just the type of person, not the type of person I can become, but because I can become a successful person. 
because I can get the approval that I've always wanted. I can get the status that I've always dreamed of. And you forget about who you're becoming and who God wants you to become, and you focus on all the wrong things, and your life becomes wasted. It's just being wasted, thrown away that things will not matter in eternity, that God will literally throw on the ash heap and say you pursued the wrong things in your restlessness, and you rejected the rest that I was giving you, offering you. And see, the enemy, he loves when this happens. The enemy loves to keep us exhausted. The enemy loves to keep us enslaved and chained to the slavery of these hamster wheels, of busyness, of restlessness, of parenting and working, and just these cycles of discontentment that seem to come in wave after wave. And Jesus stands this whole time saying, come to me. And I will give you rest. Again, God is not here to shame you as soon as you come to him. He's not here to meet you with guilt. He's not here to meet you with condemnation. If you're in Christ, your debt has been paid. He's not here to shame you, remind you of all the times you failed to come to him for rest. He's here to make up for all that has been lost. He's come to restore your soul. He's come to delight in you and for you to delight in him. To forget your sins as far as the east is from the west. To remember them no more. He does not remember them. Why do you? This is the kind of God that we serve who gives us and offers us rest if we would but come to him. He's the father who sees us from a long way off. He comes running to us. He puts the robe on our back, the ring on our finger, the shoes on our feet. He has prepared the fattened calf, and he says, you have a seat at my table. Come and rest. The question is, will we? And I want to get practical now and answer into the third and last question, how do we rest? Again, all sounds good, but if we're going to actually rubber meet the road, we need to actually understand here are some practical ways to pursue with our best efforts to enter into this rest. And again, it's taking that one day a week, one Sabbath, one seventh day rest. And again, not to save you, but boy, does it sustain you. Pete Scazzaro, uh, author of EHL, Emotionally Healthy Leader, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, we get a bunch of resources from him um, in our squad culture. He says that the biblical Sabbath is this. Biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time to stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. So I want to break those into four simple steps. This is not meant to overwhelm you. This is not meant to be legalistic. This is simply an invitation to say, if you need rest, here's some practical ways. The first is stop. Stop. Literally means cease from work. Again, that Shabbat, right? Cease from all labor. This is unpaid and paid. This is not you on your work laptop. This is not you doing home improvement around the house. This is not you doing all the, the chores and errands that you need to get done. This is, means that you're going to have to prepare a little bit intentionally beforehand to plan this Sabbath. You're going to have to plan this day as if it is a day just like at work, that this is the schedule and it is free of any labor. It means you might have to get all of those things done beforehand. So that this is completely free and protected. And then rest. 
The second step, God is giving you an invitation to rest. And it's up to you if you're going to receive it. That if you don't want it, you don't have to take it. But God is offering it to you in order for you to receive it. And again, that word, thinking of settling in, right? Nuwak. Settling in with God. Something we're, we're terrible with, right? We're so distracted. We're just all over the place. God is saying, no, no, no. Settle in. Settle in as if you're unpacking your suitcase and you're here to stay for a while. That's what God wants. He says, dwell with me. Settle into my presence. And this is something that we don't just have to experience on the seventh day, but this is something God says, if you want more of this rest, learn to settle in with my presence in your day. Learn to remember that your days are full of me. You may just not even remember me. To remember God throughout the day, to invite God throughout the day, to receive God throughout the day. God says, that's what it means to settle in with me and take 24 hours specifically to just drench yourself in my presence. Settle in. And the third is delight. This is not meant to be some dutiful religious thing where you just, it's all dreary. This is meant to be enjoying God and his creation, just like in the beginning when God rested. This idea of delighting in God, Sabbath is a time of play. Sabbath is a time where you I'm going to encourage you and invite you, write a list of all the things you enjoy doing. Write a list of all the things that bring you joy, that make you feel close to God, whether that be going outside, walking. I would say turn off your phone all day. And I don't know that sounds crazy, but I'm, I'm telling you, look what happens to your mind. Look what happens to the level of your distraction if you would just get away from the things that pull you away from God and draw you closer to God instead. And the fourth, contemplate. Contemplate just simply means to ponder God's love. Ponder God's love for you specifically. And you would ask God in times of prayer. That doesn't mean you have to like pray the whole day. It just means pray though. Seek God. Talk to him just like Jesus modeled. Or you get away with him. You get away from the hustle and bustle of life. And your personal ministries and your city groups and your huddles and serving on Sunday, all of that busyness, this is a time you get away from all of that. You get away from having to be mom or dad. You get away from having to be a husband or wife just for this moment to say, I am going to be with the Father. And he, his voice is the voice I need to hear right now. His voice is the one I'm seeking to hear specifically in this moment. And as we contemplate, you listen to God, you hear from him, you pour out your own heart. Anything that's been troubling you, anything that's causing anxiety, anything that's causing restlessness, give it to the one who would exchange that and give you rest. And for me personally, the personal Sabbath for me, um, normally I would take a Saturday or Sunday, but Sunday is like my busiest day. So I take Mondays. So from 8 p.m. Sunday evening to 8 p.m. Monday evening, I take 24 hours to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Now that night usually starts, so Jayla and I usually have a nice date. Uh, we'll sit on the couch, we'll just talk about our marriage and how we're doing. Uh, we just get to be slow and we don't have to go anywhere, we don't have anything scheduled. We'll cook supper together usually and just have a nice night. Maybe we'll go and get ice cream, just something simple. And that kicks off Sabbath. And it's something I look forward to. Like it's, it feels like a vacay. Like I'm, I'm entering in with excitement, eagerness, expectation. And then come 
Monday morning, it is like the one morning I don't set an alarm. And I just get to roll out of bed naturally. I get to usually make some coffee. And maybe I'll play some worship music. And I just get to meet with Jesus at the kitchen table as long as I want to. Phone's off. I'm not in any rush. I have no errands. I have no appointments. I have nothing scheduled. It is just time with God. It's time with him. And maybe you're looking at your own personal Sabbath and you're wondering, well, how do I do that? You know, I have kids. I feel like I'm really, again, busy. What would it look like, church? What would it look like if Friday nights, Friday night, 6 p.m. to Saturday night, 6 p.m., we had families and couples and singles with their families or their friends taking time at 6 p.m. to enter in to a time to stop rest, delight, and contemplate. Again, this is up to you. You don't have to do this. This is not me being legalistic, but I would invite you, what would it look like? If every Friday night was a family meal and everyone's hands on board, hands on deck, that you're helping out, you're cooking the meal together, you get around the table, phones are off, enjoying each other's presence, maybe looking each other in the eye for more than a minute at a time, Talking, debriefing about life, not talking about work, but enjoying each other and enjoying God through one another. And as supper ends, maybe you break out your favorite board games or your favorite card games. Uh, You laugh, you turn some music on. Maybe you're the family who you go and get your favorite snacks and popcorn and candy and you have a family movie night. And you just enjoy being all together. And that's just the start. That's just Friday night entering into the Sabbath. And Saturday morning, maybe parents, you you take kids over once in a while to grandma and grandpa's, and you can have a slow morning together. And if you can't, then you cook breakfast together as a family. You enjoy one another. And you don't have anything on the agenda. Maybe you just say, you know what, we're going to take that spontaneous trip to to be with that family member, to, to visit those friends. Maybe we're going to finally go to that coffee shop we've always said we wanted to go to together. Maybe we're going to go to that restaurant and get lunch together. Maybe we're going to go to that pumpkin patch. Whatever it is, the things that you continue to be robbed of because of your restlessness. And God says, delight in me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. It's a simple, practical invitation. that I just, I just wonder what this church would look like if we actually did it. Like, I wonder if, if my conversations on Sunday mornings wouldn't be, how are you doing? And it's busy. But if I actually ask you Sunday mornings, how are you doing? My family and I just had a, an awesome Sabbath. We spent the whole day together, and it was amazing. We didn't use it to run errands. We didn't use it. I wasn't driving my kids all over to do these appointments or to their youth sports events. I I didn't use it in a way that I was just glued to Netflix or Twitter. I I actually found myself fully present with my family and my friends, my bride and my husband, with my kids. I found myself fully present with God for the first time in a long time, that I felt his presence in my life again. I felt his power in my life again. I felt his rest I would love to have those kind of conversations. 
I know your city groups would love to have those kind of conversations where we're not all coming in dreading the night, but coming in rested, knowing that I want to be with these people because I have all that I need in Christ. I have the rest that I've needed, and I'm not looking for this group to give me what they can't. Again, we need to understand that if you're listening to anything I'm saying and you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's not practical. There, there's no way I could ever do that. There's no way I would even try to do that. And I'd say, that's fine. I'm, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I would just say, well, continue to try the rhythms you're currently doing and I guess just see how those work out for you. <laughs> I don't know if you want to stay on that path. I, I'm giving you a way out. God is giving you a way out saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. You need to understand, too, that our family actually needs a rested version of ourselves. <laughs> like our family, our coworkers, our friends, our kids, grandkids actually need rested, spirit-filled versions of ourselves. And that is, God, that is what God is inviting us to. And in all this, the Sabbath is more than just enjoying one day with family. Saturday, the Sabbath is really preparation. Again, just like Israel, God told his people to take one day a week to look to a future rest. And we as the church are very similar in that. That God is saying, look forward to a future but a final rest. Jesus has come once for Israel. Jesus is coming again for the rest of his people. And that is the final rest where Jesus will restore everything. He will make all things new. He will give rest. And that is what God is saying. Prepare yourself for that. Train yourself for that. Get ready for heaven. Your Sabbath should be a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Because God says, if you really like the culture of the U.S., then you're probably going to hate the culture of heaven. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, come to me. I'll give you rest. I will give you a foretaste of what I have bought for you. Experience it. Receive it. And again, it's it's just resting in God's presence. It's resting in his power. And it's resting in his promises. And and to close, I just want to read and pray over all the spiritual blessings that Christ has given us. All the promises of his presence and his power in our lives. So if you go ahead and close your eyes, get your heart quiet. This is a time to receive and and just absorb like a sponge all of the truths of who God is and who he says you are now. If you are in Christ, rest in the fact that you are forgiven of all your sins and washed in the blood. Rest in the fact that you have been justified and God sees you now just as if you'd never sinned. You are blameless in his sight. You are free from condemnation and you cannot be charged or indicted. Rest in the fact that you are indeed dead to sin and have been made alive with Christ. Rest in the fact that you have everlasting life and are a new creation, holy and brought near to God through the blood of Christ. Rest in the fact that you have been delivered from the power of darkness 
and transferred into God's kingdom of marvelous light. Rest in the fact that you are raised up with Christ and seated in the heavenly places and are in fact a citizen of heaven, not a citizen of earth. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ, free in him, born of him, and the evil one does not touch you. Rest in the fact that you have Christ living inside of you and you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. Rest in the fact that you have been established, anointed, and sealed by God, and you are now being kept by the power of God. Rest in the fact that you are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, and you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Rest this morning in the fact that you have the greater one living in you who is greater than he who is in the world and that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Let your soul rest in the fact that you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, and you are now the light of the world and are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Rest in the fact that you are now at peace with God through the blood of Jesus. And not only that, but you have been given the peace of God that now surpasses all understanding. Let your soul rest in the fact that you are greatly loved by God. You are loved by the Father the same way that Jesus is loved by the Father. And you have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus. Rest in the fact that you have been accepted by God in the beloved Son. And you are healed by his stripes. Rest in the fact that you are in God's hands out of which no one can pluck you out of. Rest in the fact that you cannot and never will be separated from God's love in Christ and that God is for you even when others are against you. Jesus, I pray that we would come to you. I pray all who are weary and heavy laden would stop trying in their own strength would stop running to things that do not give rest, but would come to you, and you will give us rest. I pray that, God, we wouldn't just take a Sabbath because we think it's dutiful, but because we want more of you. We want to come away with you. We want to enjoy you. We want to experience you. We want to rest in you. So God, would you help us? Would you empty us of all the anxious thoughts that we have in the name of Jesus? Would you destroy the demonic strongholds and the lies that tell us that we'll never be able to experience this kind of rest? And you, would you remind us that our future is only full of this rest forevermore? Would you prepare us? Would you help us? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.